Welcome to Storytime with Michael Kingswood. I'm Michael Kingswood, a retired submarine officer. I'm also a private pilot, martial artist, engineer, and a lifelong fan of science fiction and fantasy. I've written and published dozens of stories across the entire spectrum of speculative fiction. So sit back, let your mind wander through realms of adventure as I tell you a story. Hey friends, it's more story time. Michael Kingswood back at you again. I shaved a little because my uh, youngest was like, Daddy, I want you to shave. I don't remember what you look like with that beard. It's like, okay. So I did. And then uh, took a poll and by 50-50 <laughs> concurrence, half said, hey, you look better with the beard. And half said, yeah, you look better without. And I prefer it with. And of course, they all were like, you look younger without it. Well, maybe so. But anyway. Uh, we're going to continue the last portion of the story that we started uh, two weeks ago, uh, the, A Note of Magic, uh, which uh, this one will be a little bit longer because looking at through the rest of the story, there's not really a good place to cut without being for a weird um, cut in the middle of action or cutting and then having just a really short wrap up for the next section, which would be dumb. So we're going to power through the whole thing. Uh, it's about 5,000 words worth of stuff left and so it'll be 40, 45 minutes, which will be a little longer than the, most of the videos or podcasts we do. Oh well. Anyway, so last we left Lily, she was uh, just come to grips with the fact that holy cow, these creepy, weird, but seemed like probably overall good otherworldly beings had been, otherworldly as in spiritual beings, had been kind of piggybacking around in her head, teaching her music, so she can use that music and the spell to uh, save the world from the shenanigans of one of their criminals who got away and was going to go come down here to do some sort of nefarious thing. And she agreed to help. Nice of them to ask after they'd been kind of using her all this time, but hey, she agreed to help and... Now we get back to it. So let's get there, shall we? Right back, just a second. A Note of Magic, Part 3, by yours truly. Mother gave Lily a hug, right there in front of everyone. Flushing with embarrassment, Lily tried to squirm out, but Mother just tisked. She finished the hug with a quick squeeze and stepped back, grasping Lily's shoulders lightly. Have fun tonight, kiddo, she said, and her eyes were glittering happily as she put on an encouraging smile. Knock em dead! Lily returned the smile with more trepidation than she normally felt. Then Mother released her and turned away. They stood just inside the main entrance to the main auditorium in their school. Other students, parents, teachers, and relations of all sorts mingled about, finding seats and chatting amongst themselves as they prepared for the recital. Most were dressed up, the men and boys in jackets and ties, the women and girls in dresses that were almost but not quite black tie standards. For her part, Lily had on a simple dark blue dress with an off-white sash around the waist. She, or really mother, had put her hair up in a bun at the back of her head that made her forehead feel as though it were being stretched halfway over her skull. But she had to admit the results looked nice. She almost felt pretty. 
Mother selected a row halfway down the room from the stage. She turned back and waved quickly, then blew a kiss. Lily rolled her eyes and, clutching her carinet case in both hands, turned toward the door. She paused to let an older couple, somebody's grandparents probably, enter, and then slipped out into the hallway with its endless rows of lockers between classroom doors. She turned left toward the backstage entrance at the end of the hall and found herself bumping into a boy. She staggered backwards and realized it was Josh Harrington again. Like everyone else tonight, he was dressed up in a jacket and tie. The blue of the jacket went well with his eyes. Her cheeks flushed red as he grinned at her. Hey, Lily. Getting a little payback for the other day? No, I am um, uh, sorry. She stumbled over the words, realizing that she sounded like an idiot. He laughed good-naturedly and grinned a bit wider. Just kidding. He stepped around her and toward the doorway to the auditorium, but paused before he went inside to look back at her. Good luck tonight. You look great. He went quickly, and then he was gone, leaving her to blush even brighter. You really should try talking to him. Over the last day and a half, Celine had been popping these sorts of suggestions into her head seemingly at random. Apparently, now that her secret was out, she felt free to do so, and it was becoming annoying. Shut up, Lily whispered, and heard Celine's amused laughter in her head. She put Josh out of her mind and hurried toward the backstage door. The show would be starting soon, and she had a lot to do to be ready. Everyone else was already in their places when Lily stepped out into the stage. The various musicians were tuning up, and there was a feeling of anticipation in the air, stronger than Lily could recall from any other recital she had played. Looking at her bandmates, she had to swallow a growing lump in her throat. She was letting her nerves get the better of her. She never did that. But again, uh, then again, she had never faced a performance quite like this before, had she? Lily forced herself to move, sliding past the oboes to reach her seat next to Henry. For once, his hair was under control, and he actually looked halfway put together in a gray suit jacket and red tie. He grinned at her as she got settled in place and started babbling something cheerful, but she didn't hear him as movement for the stage drew her eye. Mrs. Quigley walked onto the stage dressed in a clingy, off-white evening gown that made her seem to glow in the bright stage lights that shone down on them all. Or was it more than that? Was the being that had taken possession of her beginning to show itself? It doesn't work that way. Selene said silently. She will not reveal herself openly. That would ruin her plans. No one but you will ever know she was involved. If they do notice anything, they'll think it a fancy light show, nothing more. That was little comfort. Looking at her teacher, her opponent, Lily began to shiver. Their eyes met for a second, and Mrs. Quigley smiled at her. Lily felt a surge of adrenaline and had to stop herself from bolting. Easy. She knows. She had to know. About Lily, about Selene and Alana, about everything. Doubtful. She suspects, but nothing more. Be calm and wait until I tell you. It will be all right. That was easy for her to say. Lily went through her preparations mechanically, assembling her clarinet and wetting the reed, then going through some warm-up scales the way she always did. Usually that calmed her nerves before a performance, but not tonight. She took her breath and forced her eyes away from Mrs. Quigley. She looked around the rest of her bandmates, and for a moment her gaze came to rest on Katrina, wearing a pretty pink dress and looking gorgeous as always, who was running through some scales on her own from the look of things. Their eyes met, and Katrina looked away quickly, her lips drawing down into a little scowl of distaste. Lily felt an ache in her chest. Recalling those memories of the two of them when they were little, times she hadn't thought of in quite a while, added an extra twinge to the normal hurt of being snubbed. They had been so close once, but something changed around middle school. 
Katrina suddenly became the popular one, and then it was as though being friends with her was no longer convenient. Lily felt her eyes begin to water as she remembered the early pain of that lost friendship. Over time, she'd set that aside, but it hurt all over again, thinking about it. She looked down at her clarinet where it rested on her lap and ran her fingers along it, her only true friend. That and Celine, apparently, and she wasn't even real. I'm as real as you are. Not the same thing. The silence in her head, after that, spoke volumes. Mrs. Quigley stepped up to, onto the conductor's stand and said some words of encouragement, but Lily paid them no heed. She was too miserable to care right then, and even if she weren't, it wasn't like she could believe anything the possessed woman said. And then the curtain opened. For most of the first piece, Lily lagged a half-count behind and missed notes and runs that she normally could have played in her sleep. She couldn't get it to it between her renewed heartache and the anxiety bordering on outright fear that she had been fighting all night. When the song finally ended, the audience, mostly hidden behind the glare of the spotlights that shone from the back of the auditorium, applauded, and she had a powerful urge to get up and run off stage. But she couldn't. She couldn't. She couldn't do this. She wasn't good enough or pretty enough or smart enough. Her hair was bad. She was too chubby. She was sweating up a storm. The heat of the stage lights. She was scared. She was miserable. And she was quite sure the being within Mrs. Quigley knew it. She had lost before the fight even began. No, Lily, that's not true. You are wonderful, more special than you know. Celine's feeble attempt at encouragement didn't help at all. She almost got up right then. Lily, you all right? Concern showed through in Henry's voice. She glanced aside at him and saw the same in his eyes. She shook her head but had no words. Hey, it's okay. This is for fun, right? He smiled that goofy grin and nudged her with his elbow. Something away, about the way he said it, the playfulness of the nudge, brought up a half-bitter, half-desperate little laugh from within her. Come on, we got this. She met his eyes and all that silly enthusiasm that had annoyed her about him before felt right then like a buoy in the middle of the ocean. Something to cling to, to avoid sinking. She managed a little smile and wiped her eyes on the back of her free hand. Right then, she could have kissed the goofy kid. Mrs. Quigley raised her arms and the rest of the band brought their instruments up. Lily sniffed back the tears that had started to run and lifted her clarinet again. The second piece was Mozart, the same piece that she'd gotten carried away in before. She'd always been her favorite, and now, knowing that they had a shared experience, it felt as if she was playing with him. That he was sitting there right alongside her, giving her an extra little helping hand from across the centuries and the gulf between earth and heaven. Or maybe that was just some sort of Henry's enthusiasm rubbing off, or a subconscious boost from Celine, or all of the above. Whatever it was, she felt herself drawn into the performance, finally. The notes flowed out of her, joining with Henry's perfectly, as they played their part in the majesty of the whole. Losing herself in the music, her spirit began to soar, and the earlier doubts began to slip away. This was what she was made for, the music and the magic. Unbidden, she felt herself moving into the strangely familiar melody that she had begun the other day, the music that she now knew Celine had taught her over these many weeks. No, not yet. We have to wait until she makes her move. Her guide's voice in her head snapped her back to the moment, and she faltered over the notes. She had to search on the sheet music for her place, and noticed Henry looking at her from the corner of his eye, his expression questioning and, again, concerned, even as he continued to play. 
She gave a little shrug and picked up the piece again. But as she played this time, she remained careful to stay in control and not get too carried away. And then, just like that, the piece was finished. Again, the audience applauded, and again, Henry grinned at her and gave her a little nudge. She grinned back at him, more genuinely this time. Mrs. Quigley returned to address the crowd, and from stage left, some of the backstage crew rolled up a stand-up piano and player's bench out onto the stage. With a broad smile, the teacher walked over to it and settled down onto the bench. Katrina, as first violin, stood and moved to Mrs. Quigley's former position at the conductor's stand. This is it. When she plays, the dark spell will begin. So when do I... You will know. Okay. Here goes nothing. Mrs. Quigley looked over her shoulder at Katrina and gave a little nod, and for just a second as she turned back to the piano, Mrs. Quigley's eyes met Lily's. They flashed red. Lily's heart skipped a beat. It was real. Part of her had been doubting, despite everything she had seen and heard to this point. But it was real, and there could be no denying it now, and knowing that, true fear ran through her. Katrina turned to the rest of the band and raised her bow like a conductor's baton. The rest began, band began to play, but Lily remained rooted to the spot for three full beats before she was able to make herself join them. The piece was more modern than the rest of the repertoire by Yanni. At first, Lily had been leery about it, but after Mrs. Quickly show, showed them a video of him playing it at the Acropolis with the London Philharmonic Orchestra, she was sold. The piano and orchestra parts blended together seamlessly, gently, and powerfully. Lily would never have thought that one of her teachers would introduce her to a new favorite modern musician, but Mrs. Quigley had done just that. And now, she was going to use that man's lovely song to poison the well of magic in Lily's world. Not gonna happen. She played, putting her whole heart and soul into it, watching Mrs. Quigley for the cue to slip into Celine's counterspell, or whatever the right term was. And then, toward the end of the solo interlude for the piano, the teacher's eyes flashed red again, and it seemed that darkness began to swirl around her. Lily took a deep breath and began Celine's melody. Right at that moment, Mrs. Quigley looked over at her, and a malicious grin, a grin of triumph, appeared on her face. And then the teacher gave a little jerk, and the red glow in her eyes went out. She slumped, her fingers stumbling over the piano keys, and shook her head, clearly confused. For a second, everything stopped. Lily lowered her clarinet, confused. Had she just won? That seemed too easy. A lone violin began to play. All eyes turned to Katrina at the conductor stand. She had the violin solo part, which followed the pianos. She must have decided to start early to cover from Mrs. Quigley's stumble. But as she was turning to face the audience, she flashed Lily that same maliciously triumphant grin, and her eyes glowed red. What? No, no, this can't be right. There was actual fear in Celine's voice, almost panic. What's going on? It was supposed to be Mrs. Quigley. It was her. The fugitive always claims a host and sticks with it. Always. There's never a second. And never. Well, it looked like there was a second now. Okay, if that's how it was going to be, Lily could take on Katrina easily enough. She drew a deep breath and lifted her clarinet back to her lips to play Celine's tune. You don't understand. It won't work. Lily's blood went to ice. What did she mean it wouldn't work? crafted the counter-melody to match the piano part, not the violin. Oh, heavens above! Katrina's solo started out just as the violin solo in Yanni's piece always did, but after a few bars it deviated. The audience and the rest of the band would think it an improvisation. 
but as she played, the darkness that had been gathering around Mrs. Quigley for that brief moment began to coalesce around her. The dark spell had begun. What do I do? Lily shouted the question at Celine inside her head. What do I play? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Panic had given way to despair, to defeat. It flowed from Celine into Lily so strongly that she dropped her clarinet, bounced off to her fee knees, and fell to the floor at her feet. Oh, I was lost. Celine's cry became a wail that stretched on and on, drowning out everything else. Lily's vision swam and she became lightheaded as her guide's hopelessness crashed over her. It was a struggle to focus on anything around her. Damn it, shut up! The fury that she sent through the thought surprised her. She almost never raised her voice, but it seemed to have done the trick as Celine got quiet. Lily shook her head to regain her equilibrium, and Katrina solo came back full focus in her consciousness. It was brilliant. Katrina had always been a whiz on the violin, but this... Lily had never heard her play anything like this. She listened and wrapped attention for a few bars, amazed and terrified. As, as the solo progressed, the darkness grew, becoming a sphere of deepest black hovering a few feet above Katrina's head. All light in the auditorium seemed to be leeching away. Even the brilliant spotlights seemed to fade out like the colors in an old photograph. Still there, but shadows of their former selves. Lily had no idea what that spell would do once released, but it had to be something awful, and she could do nothing but watch it happen. For a moment, she felt like wailing the way Selene had been. Then Katrina's playing shifted in tone, and the, became, the solo began to seem familiar somehow. It was almost like uh, another melody, memory, rose to the surface. For the days when she and Katrina used to play duets together in the backyard. There was one simple duet for clarinet and violin. Was it... Oh yeah, it was Mozart. And was she imagining it, or was that run Katrina just played lifted straight out of it? Another three bars confirmed it. She was playing a variation on that Mozart piece. Lily knew what she had to do. She bent over and grabbed her clarinet off the floor. There's something you need to do to make this work. She thought of Celine bit, ready to do it. Confusion wafted back. What are you going to do? Just get ready. She lifted the mouthpiece to her lips and paused. It had been years since she last played the piece, but right then it was like she was reading the sheet music. She could see the clarinet part so clearly. Maybe Mozart was helping after all. She licked her lips, then placed them around the mouthpiece and began to play. Katrina whipped around as Lily's notes joined hers in counterpoint, her fingers still flying over the strings even as her brows rose in surprise. Her eyes, still glowing brightly red, narrowed, and her lips compressed into a scowl. Her other bandmate's eyes turned toward Lily as well, one and all registering confusion. What are you doing? Harry asked from his seat next to her. She paid him no heed. There would be time for explanations later, assuming there was a later. But now she had to focus completely on the music. For the start, she was playing catch-up. Katrina had the lead and she was deviating from the baseline of Mozart's original in unexpected ways and constantly. Lily had to shift with her, but with no guide, no inkling where she was going next, the two parts were disjointed, almost dissonant. It wasn't working. They both knew it, and that smile began to reappear on Katrina's face. Beads of sweat ran down the sides of Lily's face, and doubt rose up within her all over again. It wasn't working. Yes, I have it. Celine's words filled Lily with warmth, and suddenly she felt sure she knew what Katrina's next note was going to be, and what she should do to match it. Her clarinet line steadied out, becoming more in sync with Katrina's violin, and Lily felt herself relaxing into the flow of the music again. 
her spirits lifted, and she felt buoyed once more, and nothing existed but the music, nothing mattered but remaining in sync with her erstwhile friend, and harmonizing with her. And slowly, as she lost herself more and more, another light began to illumine the stage, pink-white, like the nimbus Alana had stood within, that shone from everywhere and from nowhere, pulsing in rhythm with Lily's harmony line. Katrina noticed the new light as well, and her nostrils flared, the scowl returning, becoming more snarl. She bore down on her bow, powering the notes from a violin strings as her fingers flew all the faster. Lily pressed hard, taking her breaths quickly when she could, and blowing harder to match Katrina's crescendo. But she could not keep the pace up for long. Already she was starting to become light-headed. She was going to have to take a real breath soon. The light grew brighter, washing out everything except for Lily, Katrina, and the sphere of blackness in the air. Still they played. Lily's head swam, her lungs burned from the exertion of blowing so hard for so long. Several strands of horsehair had broken on Katrina's bow. They flapped around with every bowstroke, waving like pennants from her bow hand. And all the while the light grew more intense. It was almost painful to look at now. Lily had to squint to avoid being overwhelmed by it. She wasn't sure how much longer she could continue. Everything became a wash of pink-white. She couldn't see a thing except for those glowing red eyes. And then, all at once, it vanished. The glow, the black sphere, everything went away with a pop that echoed silently in Lily's brain. Katrina swayed on her feet, the glow lost from her eyes. She stopped playing and looked around with wide, unfocused eyes. Uh, what? she said, bringing her bow hand up to her brow. And then she collapsed. Lily stood up, a clarinet falling from her hands as a great gasp issued from the lips of everyone in the audience and everyone in the band. Mrs. Quigley shot up from the piano bench and rushed to the conductor's stand where Katrina lay in a heap. Lily pushed past the other woodwinds in front of her and moved to the teacher's side. Mrs. Quigley bent over Katrina. She checked her pulse and glanced out at the audience. Call 911, she said. Oh, no. Several members in the audience had cell phones out. Someone was calling Katrina's name and people were rushing forward. Her parents. Please let her be okay. Lily knelt down next to Mrs. Quigley, who had taken hold of Katrina's shoulders, giving them a gentle shake. Katrina, the teacher said softly, Katrina, can you hear me? Katrina's eyes fluttered, and she took a deep breath. Then she opened her eyes fully. Her gaze locked onto Lily's for a second. Oh, she blinked. Lily, hi. Katrina smiled, genuine warmth in that expression for the long, her first time in a long while and then she passed out again. By the time the paramedics arrived, Katrina was awake again and sitting up. She leaned heavily against the conductor stand and sipped at a cup of water that someone had brought to her. Lily sat on her heels and watched in a daze as the medics checked her over, then maneuvered her gently into a wheelchair and pushed her out of the auditorium, her anxious parents following along behind them. It all seemed unreal, like some sort of waking dream. Everyone's voices were muffled. The milling masses a blur, aside from her old friend. Even after she had gone, Lily could focus on nothing aside from concern for her. She'll be fine. Celine's voice carried calm certainty as she spoke within Lily's head. The casting requires a lot of energy, and she used more to fight against the fugitive. But after she's rested, it will be as though this never happened. That was something, at least, and Lily felt a weight lift. You were wonderful. I never... Celine trailed off. But Lily had a feeling she knew what the guy was going to say. She never thought it was it would be as difficult as it had been. That made two of them. Lily drew a deep breath and forced herself to her feet. She swayed for a moment after she stood, feeling a wave of fatigue wash over her. 
Right then, she wanted nothing more than to lie down for a week. Lily turned to make her way back to her seat, but a hand on her shoulder stopped her. Lily, she turned back into Mrs. Quigley's eyes. The teacher looked unsettled and confused and irritated. What was that? Lily shrugged slightly. We always played together, she heard herself say in a small, distant voice. Mrs. Quigley's eyebrows furrowed. I wish you would have told me what you two had that cooked up. She stopped and drew a breath, then shook her head. Next time, a voice interrupted her, and Mrs. Quigley looked to the front of the stage where the principal stood. He beckoned her over, and Mrs. Quigley released Lily's shoulder and went to him. Lily turned away and slipped past a trio of her bandmates who were looking at her with strange expressions on their faces. She reached her seat and disassembled her clarinet. By the time Mrs. Quigley announced that the rest of the recital had been canceled, Lily had already left the stage. Millie, mother, met her outside the school's main entrance and greeted her with a big hug. Lily returned it in kind. They stood there for several moments and gradually the days that had filled Lily's head began to recede and the full impact of everything that had happened struck her. Unbidden, tears began running from her eyes. Mother pushed back and looked at her, concern on her face. What's wrong? Lily shook her head, unable to put it into words. The fear, the wonder, the despair, the loneliness that she worked through that night was too much. Her victory, but she didn't, and she didn't know why. Lily pursed her lips and put an arm around Lily's shoulder. Come on, let's go home. She began to lead her toward the parking lot, where their car was parked. From behind them came a chorus of male laughter. A group of three boys walked past, and Lily shrank away as she recognized Josh among them. He stopped what he was saying to his two friends as he saw her and Mother, and paused, gesturing for them to continue on without him. Hey, he said, grinning as always. That was awesome. Lily blinked, surprised. Never heard anyone play like that. How long have you been working on that? Mother gave Lily a squeeze. All her life, she said. It shows. He gave the two of them a nod. Well, better not keep Brad and Tommy waiting. See you around. He turned to leave. Lily recalled what Selena had said before the rehearsal. Maybe some other time, when she wasn't feel so, feel so ragged, she would not have done it, but right then, she couldn't find in herself to be afraid anymore. She called out after him, Where are you guys going? Josh stopped and looked back over his shoulder at her. It's a party over at Scott McClendon's house later. He paused. Why? You want to go? A big part of her wanted nothing more than to just go home. She almost said no. She meant to say no, but instead, she nodded. Maybe being alone again, like always, wasn't the right answer. At least, not tonight. He grinned again. Great. I'll swim by your place in about a half hour? Okay. He walked away, and Mother gave Lily a strange look. Then she smiled gently and led Lily to the car. Much later that night, Lily returned to her bedroom and got ready for bed. The party had been a revelation in more ways than one. People were surprised to see her. The performance was on everyone's lips, and she received more compliments than she ever thought she would. But more than that, so many people told her that they were glad she'd come and were sorry she hadn't come out with them sooner that it left her stunned. She had always assumed that she wasn't welcome. Why would you have ever assumed that? Celine had not spoken since immediately after the recital. Lily paused in pulling on her nightgown and considered the question. It just seemed a given that she wasn't wanted there. It's not like she had ever actually been invited before. People had given her the cold shoulder, by and large. Uncertainty can make us see things not as they are. But as we fear them to be, you were unsure of them, and they were unsure of you. Maybe so. Certainly no one had snubbed her tonight, so maybe all it really needed was for one side or the other to make a welcoming gesture. A little courage can go a long way. I'm proud of you, Lily. She smiled as she laid down to sleep.
In her dreams, she played clarinet with Mozart, and he wore a big smile on his face. Okay, so that's the story. Uh, like I said, uh, at the very beginning of the, the tale, it was a fun kind of uh, thing that came out of uh, a single scene that I wrote for a workshop a few years back up in Oregon. Um, a workshop about uh, character, voice, and setting. Then uh, one of the one of the assignments was, hey, you got a girl named Lily, and uh, I think that was just about it. I don't remember what else it was. She was in the band. Yeah, she's in the band. And uh, okay, so I went and wrote the the scene about her initially calling up the uh, the music in her bed, the magic in her bedroom, and the uh, the spirits appearing. Of course, it was different from what it turned into now because uh, at the time it was just like, oh yeah, she's playing and she knows what's going on and the music, you know, spiritual creatures are showing up and it's like, well, okay. And then I added later the fact of her not really knowing what's going on and discovering it and the creepy being taken possession of thing, which <laughs> think about it. So, man, that is kind of creepy. Where'd that come from? Anyway, um... So yeah, uh, like I said, it's been a couple years since I read this one, and actually uh, I haven't really thought about it in a while, and yeah, I still like it. I think it's kind of a cool message about how awesome music is, because well, I, I love music. Um, grew up playing violin myself, switched over to guitar, I still tinker around with them both, and the uh, my kids love it when I bring the violin out, and they're like, play, daddy, play, it's like, yeah, so that's cool. Um, and also a little bit about, uh, the end about, uh, well, you know, you think people don't like you, maybe it's just because you never gave them a chance, right? Which has happened to me a few times, uh, in the past before I overcame my inherent shyness to be the boisterous kind of guy I am now. Anyway, um, yeah, so that's the story. Hope you dig it. If you did, you know the drill. Tell everybody. Leave reviews on the story you like. And hey, go by the website and send a tip. Buy the story. Go by uh, Amazon if you have to. I prefer you go to my site at ssnstorytelling.com, which is uh, my publishing business site. MichaelKingswood.com is my authorly site. I decided to split them out just because reasons. Um, anyway, everything you can buy everything on there and I get more money. Or you can go to the other places and, you know, I get less, but still good. Uh, but definitely, you know, like this, share it, subscribe if you're on the, if you're so, uh, inclined. And, uh, hey, come back next week. We'll do some more. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I advertised, uh, she's well, a while back that my Glimmer Veil book is going to be audioized and we'll start showing that here as well and that's true but man it's taking a lot longer to get done than I thought it would a number of things have happened um, so that's still gonna be coming up that's uh, if you have not familiar with my stuff that's a sword and sorcery fantasy thing I'm set in an alternate world with a couple guys who are on the run from the army for reasons and um, it's uh, basically seven samurai they go they get hired by the village to defend from brigands, and hey, there they go. Um, we'll get to that someday. 
and hopefully in the next few weeks. In the meantime, it'll be shorter, shorter stories. Um, I haven't decided which one we'll go to next. And we'll see. Anyway, uh, this is actually going to end up, looks like probably right around 40 minutes or so total, I think is what I'm at right now, which is eh, actually a little less than I thought it would be. Actually, no. Yeah, getting close to 35 minutes or so. Eh, cool. Um, that's what we'll leave it here. Uh, like I said, let me know if you, what you think. If you like it, let me know if you don't like it. That's cool, too. And I'll talk to you next time. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. That'll do it for this episode of Storytime with Michael Kingswood. Come by my website, michaelkingswood.com, for information about my work. There you can sign up for a newsletter where I tell about new releases and special promotions. Guaranteed to be spam-free. Or just drop me an email at michael at michaelkingswood.com, and I look forward to hearing from you. If you really like my stuff and feel like giving me a buck, drop by Patreon and sign up to be a patron. As always, if you like today's story, be sure to leave a review on your favorite online bookstore and share this podcast with all your friends. This production is copyright Michael Kingswood. Intro and outro music copyright Gene Paul Zogby, licensed through stockmusic.net. All rights reserved.